Have you ever wondered why bad things happen to people who do such good? I am Christopher Campbell, pastor of Southside Baptist Church. Thank you for listening. This sermon is from Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 43, which tells of a follower of Jesus named Tabitha, who is known for being full of good works and acts of charity. But Tabitha becomes ill and dies. The scriptures tell us that many will come to know about the events that happen next, and what becomes known will lead many to faith in the Lord. I pray that God would show His Son Jesus to you very clearly as you listen to this message. Throughout the book of Acts, God is presented as working miracles that when they become known, lead to faith in Jesus. The miracle of all miracles is not the healing of a paralyzed man or even the raising to life of a woman who has died. But the miracle of all miracles is when God gives life to those who are dead in sin so they might experience a new birth and a life in Jesus, a life with which they will never die again. And this is what Jesus offers to all, even this morning. After the conversion of Saul of Acts chapter 9, the beginning part of this chapter, Luke records a series of miracles that the Lord then works by Peter. These miracles are leading up to a very important event in the book of Acts. The new birth or the conversion or the coming to faith of a man named Cornelius, who is a Gentile, an outsider to the Jewish faith, who will be welcomed into the Christian faith through Jesus. And the gift of the Holy Spirit will be poured out on the Gentiles, and the good news of Jesus will go forth to the end of the earth. But before this event, God is divinely positioning Peter for what will take place next. And God does not waste these times of positioning. God's power is demonstrated in the journey as much as it is in the destination. When I travel, I really like to get where I'm going. I don't like to stop. Traveling itself to me is a waste of time. I'm working on getting over that. But walking with God is not like that. Every step, every stop is a destination when walking with the Lord. Every moment matters. The journey is how God positions us to be His instruments and witnesses for Jesus. It is in the passing through moments where the power of God is most often on display. God is a God of the way. He does not work only in a temple or in a certain city like Jerusalem, but God works in these days through His Holy Spirit in a different temple, the temple of bodies of His people wherever their feet walk. Peter will eventually arrive at his destination, which is Caesarea, where God will use him to witness to Cornelius and his household. And Caesarea is that place that Philip the Evangelist, the one who was the witness for Jesus to the Ethiopian eunuch, 
where he ended up after he passed through, do you remember, all of the towns preaching the gospel as he went. Now, sometime later, Peter is journeying this same way. And he comes to these towns where Philip would have either preached Jesus or the message that Philip preached would have ended up. The testimony of Jesus would have been scattered and planted and people would have believed in these places as Philip passed through. And in the very first place that Peter arrives, it's a place called Lydda. Peter finds a man there named Aeneas, bedridden, because he had been paralyzed for eight years. Look a few verses up in verse 34. It says, Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him. And they turned to the Lord. And so what Peter is doing is follow-up ministry. This is pastoral ministry. Philip, the evangelist, brought the first wave of the gospel. And Peter follows reinforcing that message. A message that's more than just words. Jesus is alive and has the power to heal. Jesus Christ raises up those who are bedridden and disabled from disease. And at witnessing this healing, many turned to the Lord. And it was very obvious that Peter's actions pointed to Jesus. Some suggest that Peter had the spiritual gift of healing. Whatever gift God gives you by His Holy Spirit, He gives it so that people will be turned to the Lord or strengthened in the Lord. God will position you in places to use your gift. Being positioned in Lydda, the scriptures now turn to a development that was happening in Joppa, some 10 to 12 miles away. Look with me at Acts chapter 9, verse 36. It says, Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. Tabitha is first introduced as a disciple. It's likely that she was one who had believed Philip's preaching about Jesus when he passed through. Which, by the way, studies show that it takes something around seven times for someone to hear the gospel of Jesus before they believe. It doesn't have to be that, but that's just typically what happens. God will send people waves ahead in advance and then send people behind coming through and you never know what number you'll be when you're telling someone about Jesus. You may be that seventh time when they finally understand and their eyes are opened. Tabitha is a female disciple. As Luke is writing his gospel account of Luke and also Acts, he's very careful to point out often that being a follower of Jesus is not limited only to men, but also to women who were disciples and who often had a very important role to play in the faith. He'll mention in Luke chapter 8, Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided out of their means, and so they had much to offer in service to the Lord. 
Luke 10 will talk about Mary and Martha. Later in Acts, we'll learn of Lydia and Damaris. Tabitha was one of these women disciples. Tabitha is the Aramaic name or the Hebrew name. It means gazelle or deer. But Luke's readers speak Greek, so he translates it into the Greek Dorcas, which means the same, gazelle or deer. Now, the Scriptures do not tell us why uh, Luke translates the name or what the significance of that name is, but Luke only does this three times in the book of Acts. Once with Joseph, who is called Barnabas, translated means son of encouragement, another time here with Tabitha, and then again later with Alemus in Acts chapter 13. This translation of her name is meant to grab our attention. It uh, records with specificity an event that took place with an actual person that would become widely known. With this story of Tabitha, it is also a reminder that the power of Jesus that will be displayed in her is a power that translates culture and language in keeping with the mission of Acts for witnesses to go out from Jerusalem and be translated into all the world. Tabitha is introduced as a disciple and also as one who was full of good works and acts of charity. As you read through the Scriptures, you might think that the only good works for God are those works that seem to get elevated often, like being a teacher or a preacher or an evangelist or even a healer. But here God highlights a woman who was kind. She was a giver. She gave charity. It means she had mercy. She cared for others who were in need. The fruit of the Spirit of God was very evident in her life. This mercy and generosity was her gift from God, and she was using it for the Lord to benefit others. Such acts of charity will play a very prominent role also in the story of Cornelius in the following chapter, and so all of this is tied together. Tabitha is a disciple of Jesus that serves others, and Cornelius will be someone who does not know Jesus, but yet also serves others. Both will have an encounter with the living God, not because of their good works, but their good works do not go unnoticed before God. They're emphasized here in this scripture. Their works represent the mercy that God has for those who are in need. The Greek language adds yet one more clause after this. It's, it's not captured so much in our English translations, but it says that she was full of good deeds and charitable giving, which she was constantly doing. Uh, it's necessary to say that she was constantly doing these good works because of what comes next in verse 37. It brings these works to a halt. Look at verse 37. It says, in those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. So Tabitha's constant good works and acts of charity did not keep her from illness and death. Verse 37 begins, in those days, the days of her good service. It was in those days she died. 
common question that is asked is why do bad things happen to good people? Or in this case, why did such a bad thing happen to a person that did such good? And that's the tension that God wants you to feel at this moment. To think about how good your works can be, and yet even a person who does good things will not be kept from the reality of death. Being a disciple of Jesus alone will not keep you from suffering. Following Jesus and doing good does not guarantee a pass from suffering and death. Tabitha died. And the last record of a death in the book of Acts was Stephen, who was a servant in the church, a preacher of Jesus. And the scriptures say that Stephen fell asleep. But here, a different word is used. Tabitha dies. And that word for death is used to draw out the finality of her condition. The constant good works and charity has now ceased. It's done. Without a miracle of God, death prevails and prevents good works from pointing people to faith in the name of Jesus. In verse 38, it says, Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please, come to us without delay. The disciples knew Peter was near, and God had positioned Peter near for this purpose. They had likely heard that God had used Peter to heal Aeneas. Perhaps God might use Peter to heal Tabitha. They asked for him to come without delay because the Jewish custom of burial at this time was that they should bury the body before sundown. But notice that faith is implied on the part of these disciples in Joppa because they place her body not in the ground or in a tomb, but in an upper room, and they call for Peter. Faith is present believing that the Lord might yet do a work. Verse 39 says, So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. So now we receive more detail concerning the good works that Tabitha did. Specifically, she made tunics and garments for widows. Widows are especially near to the heart of God. Widows and orphans, those who are most vulnerable, who in this culture are dependent on the care of other people. If you fast forward to James, James 1 verse 27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This was the religion of Tabitha. It was those who were most blessed by her works of faith that were weeping at her death. They were showing Peter what clothes Tabitha had given, and the language suggests they were showing what they were wearing, how they had benefited from her work. Verse 40 says, Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. 
And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Why did Peter put all of the widows outside? Well, this is exactly what Jesus had done when he healed the daughter of Jairus in Mark chapter 5. In that account, when Jesus healed Jairus' daughter, who likewise had died, there was a commotion, and the people were weeping and wailing loudly. They even laughed when Jesus said that Jairus' daughter was only sleeping. And so what did Jesus do? He put them outside. Peter does likewise here. It's a pastorally sensitive thing to do. Because grief is powerful and can cause people to lose control of their emotions. To doubt or to lose faith when they otherwise would believe. In their grief, if they had witnessed uh, this miracle of God unfold before their eyes, they may not have the capacity to know what it is that they were seeing or who was performing it or by what power it was being done. And so Peter puts them out and he kneels down and he prays. Now let me ask you something. Did you notice that in this account that God is not mentioned as acting? Of course, God is acting, but he's not mentioned as acting. There's no mention of God spoke or God raised or God did this or that. Only one word links what happens in this miracle to the work of God, and it's the word prayer. The attention will be drawn soon to Tabitha being made alive again, but For the believers, such equal attention should be drawn to the fact that she was made alive because Peter prayed. Peter knelt down and he prayed. The power of God is displayed here through prayer. Peter doesn't raise Tabitha. Jesus raised Tabitha. But Jesus does it through Peter who prayed. I imagine Peter asking the Lord, Lord, what do I do here? Perhaps he reminded Jesus of how he had witnessed Jesus heal and raise Jairus' daughter. Or, perhaps in that prayer, Jesus reminded Peter of that occasion and instructed him to do likewise here, to remind everyone else that the same power that raised Jairus' daughter then is still alive to raise Tabitha. So Peter says, Tabitha... Arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. In the power of Jesus, that thing being death that prevented the works of God from proceeding forth from the service of this woman is reversed, and she lives again. And in verse 41, he gave her his hand and raised her up, then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. A reuniting occurs. Tabitha is presented alive to the widows and the saints so that they might make this known. Why did God raise Tabitha? Will God do something like this today in raising the dead? Does God do this type of thing today? In answer to this question, G. Campbell Morgan points this out. He says, raising the dead is something that Jesus did very rarely. 
It's recorded on only three occasions. In every case, Jairus' daughter, a young man from Nain, and Lazarus, Jesus did it to comfort those who were mourning. But every person that was brought back to life was brought back into suffering again. They were brought back from a place of peace to turmoil, to grow old, to experience more conflict, and to one day die again. But yet even in this, the Lord had a purpose beyond just comforting the morning. As with the other miracles performed in Acts, this miracle was performed to further the testimony of Jesus. Look in verse 42. It became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. The work itself did not save anyone, but making it known caused many to believe. Jesus had given all those who were preaching the Word of God at this time a new and true illustration to use in their preaching. The clothes that Tabitha had made now become clothes with a testimony. The miracle did not belong to Peter, but it clearly displayed the power of Jesus because many believed, not in Peter, but many believed in the Lord. This miracle had the fingerprints of Jesus all over it. And then in verse 43, he goes on to say that Peter stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. He's positioning himself. God is positioning him yet again for the work that would come next. Was Tabitha raised to life because she performed these good works or acts of charity? Or was she raised because she was a disciple to comfort the mourning or to care further for the widows? The scriptures do not tell us why. But Tabitha's life being restored is a prelude to the resurrection we will all experience one day. Jesus said in John chapter 5, hear his words, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. We all have only one life to live. And we all will experience one resurrection. What will our life be known for? What kind of resurrection will we be raised to? Jairus' daughter died again. Lazarus died again. Tabitha died again. 
But the good news about Jesus says that Jesus will never die again. And just as it is appointed for man once to die, and after this the judgment, Jesus died once for all sin, being judged in our place. Jesus offers forgiveness from sin and a new life, if we will believe in his name. Throughout the book of Acts, God is presented as working miracles that when they become known, lead to faith, this kind of saving faith, this resurrecting faith in Jesus. The miracle of all miracles is not the healing of a paralyzed man or even the raising to life of a woman who has died. But the miracle of all miracles is when God gives life to those who are dead in sin. So they might experience a new birth and live a new life in Jesus. A life in which they will never die again. Thank you again for listening to this message. I pray that God would accomplish His purpose in you through the preaching, hearing, receiving, and believing of His Word. Southside Baptist Church is located off of 6th Avenue on 9th Street Southeast in Decatur. Join us Sunday mornings at 1030 for congregational worship. We welcome you. If you wish to share any comments or questions about the message you have heard, please call Southside at 256-353-8814 or visit us on the web at southsidebaptist.net. Also, make sure to subscribe or follow this podcast to receive a new message each week.